Hello, and welcome to the Recovery Matters podcast from CCAR, the podcast where putting recovery first is always the goal. Here we present interviews, discussions, stories, and speeches to cultivate the understanding and acceptance of the power, hope, and healing of recovery from alcohol and other addictions. Here are your hosts, Phil and Sandy Valentine. Jack, I'm so excited about this podcast. Um, one of the things I was thinking about, because it's been two over two weeks since I've seen you, but one of the last things, one of our last interactions was, it was a really icy day at Yukon, and I did not have proper foot attire, and I yelled upstairs to all of you, and I said, if you hear screams, it's me, I probably fell, and you flew down those stairs, like, like I said, I had a million bucks, and you said you offered to walk me to my car because you like helping senior citizens. Oh, I do, I do remember that. Yeah, but I took it well because uh, I have broken bones multiple times falling on the ice, so I didn't take it too hard. There is a bit of an age gap between us. There is just a little one. Yeah. So, what do you remember about? Um, what do you remember? Well, my husband likes to ask this question. I think it's a good one. What was little Jack like? Little Jack. It had anger issues. Yeah. Um, so what made you think of anger first? Because, um, again, I was thinking, like, I've been thinking recently a lot about, like, what what I was like before I started drinking. Like, you know, even as a kid, and they, a bunch of people say, or, you know, like, drinking is just a symptom. So like, there's a bunch of other things. And I would throw, like, temper tantrums, but, like, nothing. Like, they were, like, pretty like severe temper tantrums and i felt like i was angry quite a bit as a little kid so were you frustrated can you pinpoint what i don't remember i don't necessarily remember but like i would get so angry and then my mom would have to like calm me down and, and it was just like this like cycle and um it was never something like specific i just feel like i got like really upset and irritated at like a lot of things yeah were you doing well in school did you have friends i was yeah I, i've always done pretty well in school and always been pretty social so mm -hmm. yeah one of the things that um i learned just last year was that one of my kids was bullied in elementary school and was coming home every day crying and i missed it i missed the entire thing and i was working from home at the time not i was in a in the basement in a in an office space but i totally had no idea what he was going through in elementary school that kind of carried over into middle school that ended up starting and using drugs. So can you like pinpoint when you started really thinking about substances and what your frame of mind was the first time? Because usually some fear comes along with the first time. Yeah, so it was freshman year of high school. Um, I'd stayed away from everything like in middle school. Um, I had, I did really well in middle school, like you know, academic wise. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was in it was either it was like November of whatever year that was, maybe twenty eighteen was my freshman year, twenty nineteen of um, of high school, and we had like this pizza place. Uh, I was on campus, campus, and there was a prep football game, and we'd all go there and hang out beforehand. And there was like these like DAP pens, like these cards. It was like T, it was like a THC vape, and um, and some of this kid actually, well, I leave that out. So there's this kid that I had known before high school, and he was hanging out with a bunch of 
his buddies there and they were all you know like getting high and you know that's when i tried it for the first time um it was before a football game did you like it i i don't remember it too well i remember that being like the first time um i mean like it was fun like you know everyone was high we went to the football game and then like my house was like the hangout house i think a couple of us either came back or went to go get pizza uh afterwards but i mean i definitely like did not like it because you know definitely tried it again so yeah so anything changed you know after you started so cannabis yeah like okay (laughs) i'm still a nerd with all that drug stuff i was strictly an alcoholic girl but so do you find anything changed did the people you surrounded yourself change your activities change um not not at that not at that time um i was playing football freshman football and like those were the kids i was hanging around and you know i kind of find like the athletes are like the kids that party and um so that yeah that's what i surrounded myself with was like the football kids and um yeah so we heard a little bit from your parents recently and um it seems like things progressed so i'd love to hear your version of how things kind of accelerated in high school yeah so again i tried it for the first time at a football game um and then again my house was kind of like the hangout house because mm-hmm. um you know some kids lived like 40 minutes away we lived like less than a mile away so like after school everyone would come to our house and like on the weekends or there'd be like sleepovers and so i that's started you know getting high with like my friends either like after school you know nothing crazy like um like just regular like high school things and um i bought my own car for the first time so that was november it was going into christmas break i bought my own for christmas break and then that's starting then so i started to continuously like buy my own um cart and um you know at first it was just like just with the friends but i had my own and then it was like all right before i go to bed like when everything's done and you know this this, this was a little bit of a slower progression um so I'd say probably the start of sophomore year is when I when I went to school high for the first time, and then um, I don't I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was definitely like October of sophomore year, and my dad used to work in New York, so he'd come home late, and my mom would teach like a night class at the university. And so it'd just be like me and my sister at home, and they had like this, and I'd run out of the, the cart, and they had like a, um, hard alcohol like a, I don't know what you call like it, like a stand. Cart. Yeah, it wasn't a cart. It's not. It's a cart. It was like a cart in the in the living room, and they never drank hard alcohol. It was only for like when friends came over. And so I was like, well, I can't get high because I don't have anything left. So like I'll just try to get. I'll just get. I'll try alcohol. Like, and I had never. I had like had a couple sips. But I'd never like actually gotten drunk, and um, and maybe I'd had like a beer or two with like some friends. I I never I really stayed away from alcohol, um, and so I remember I got like a cup from the kitchen. I put Snapple in it, and I went and I put vodka, and you know I didn't know like what forty percent meant or like any of that, and I drank the whole thing, and like I loved it, and um, that's when you know things started to pick up. I realized that you know. It's in the house. It's free. I don't have to pay for it. My parents aren't using it. So, um, but I was still buying cards. So, you know, like on and off and end of sophomore year is when 
the pandemic started, right? Mm-hmm. March of 2020. Yep. So then, you know, we went home. Yeah. So then they, my parents talked about the first time they had caught me, which was like March, April of, of that year. How'd you feel? I, I actually do remember that night. It was, it was, it was weird because I had a couple, I had a couple like unopened beers that were also under my desk. And I'm not sure if he saw those or not, but he like, he also didn't take the one that I was drinking. And that was what felt weird to me. He just said, I love you. We'll talk in the morning. And like, that's what was strange to me. Like, why didn't he take them? But, um, I just remember like I, I drank the rest of it and, um, I remember them like barging into my room the next morning and I was sleeping and I was like, like, let's not do this right now. And they're like, all right, like we'll give you like five more minutes. And they came back in and it was like this drawer of my desk and it had probably like 30, 40 empty beer cans. But you're pretty brazen. You didn't even try to get them out of that. Well, because I was scared that if I went to go put them in the garbage can, like they would hear them. And so, but what I also had was like a huge, I had like a suitcase in my in my closet with empties in it too and like there was there was so many so so many and like there was like some water bottles because i used to steal like my mom's wine so there's like wine bottles and um i used to and like pull in spring bottles because i would take the the hard alcohol and put it into the water bottle but then it smelled so and then i'd put that in the suitcase too so there was just you know a whole bunch of um empty things but it was never the same after that because that was the first time I got caught. Yeah. And so now they're looking and like, you know, counting the beers and um It really talked out much then though, if you were at that point so quickly filling up suitcases and drawers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at home. At home, yeah. And then um, you know, all through the all through the summer I was I remember I was doing like a CrossFit program for because I was playing rugby now mm-hmm. and I had this friend's uh I had this friend and um so then I started started getting high again because you know I could hide that and they weren't like looking for that and so that's what I did for like the summer and I remember I, I was painting my mom's um bathroom um and like the hallway and like that was like my summer job and um they would pay me and then I'd go on like a bike ride and I'd go like meet this kid and get a cart and then like come back and it's always it was always the bike rides like oh, I'm going for a bike ride and so yeah that's what I did for the summer then we went back to school but it was hybrid so it was like in one day out one day in one day out one day this is when it started to get this is when I was like really bad um like I was I was going to school I'd gone to school drunk a couple of times my grades really were not were not great um I'd gained a lot of weight um, I wasn't doing much of anything uh, and, I, and I had like a perfect excuse like COVID as my excuse like there's no sports like no one's hanging out after school so I just go home, get high, drink, whatever it was, and then you know, just like. You know, there's a lot of conversation about the impact of, like, your generation with COVID in high school and all of that. Like, do you think that? Do you ever reflect on what changed for you because of that? I just think my progression was escalated. Um, I I don't I don't think, like. My alcoholism was, you know, was created by COVID, I guess, or like, I like, it was there. I think it was just, it was escalated because of COVID. Yeah. So if we fast forward a little bit, Mm -hmm. you went to treatment. Yes. And I remember that night they were talking about, they had like a big safe in the the master bedroom with all the alcohol in it. It was pretty, you know, big. And I had, I had known the code 
because my parents had friends over and they had taken the locks off to get some alcohol and they left it on the ground and they left the code of the locks that were on, on the lock. I remember I put it in my notes so that I had it and, but they had like put a different lock on it because they had found out that I knew how to get into that. And so I was like, I was like trying, I was like fighting my way into this, this, um, this thing and there was like blood and I finally got into it and I just, I, I, you know, drank so much and at some point I don't, I don't remember like the rest of the night. I remember an officer being at the door and I remember being in the ER and the ER was terrible. Um, I was strapped down to, to the bed. I remember my mom and dad were there and I was just like, it was, it was, it was a bad night, but I guess I really never thought about like the EMTs, what they were talking about. Like that, now that I think about it, like that guy was like really awesome. Cause I was, I wasn't like cooperating. Like not even a little. Really, not you. I wasn't cooperating at all, but like with him, and they also like negotiated with me. They're like, "All right, you can go and you can go in the ambulance, like strapped down, or like if you're willing, like my mom gave me her phone for the ride, so like I could like I called I Facetime my girlfriend at the time, mm-hmm. and um, and like the guy was super cool. But anyway, so I got the treatment, and um, like I was a mess from the night before. So the first thing I wanted to do was like eat and shower. But I had to go through the whole intake process. Um, There's a couple. There's one guy, two pe- two guys. They were called core, uh, CCs, uh, core coordinate, care coordinators, and two. They had like a pretty big impact on my stay. Um, I was there for 55 days. Were you, like, what was the mix? Were there other folks your age? Yeah. So they had different pods based for like di- like there was one for like eating disorders, one for like behavior behavior. I was in I was in one for uh, substance abuse and and like behavioral it was kind of like mixed mm-hmm. and um, I came home and I you're supposed to do a PHP pers- uh, partial hospitalization program right out of um, right out of it was like the aftercare it was like part of their program it was all the same program um, but I wanted to go back to school so again my parents were able to work something out with the school and so I was I did a Zoom midday and then I went after and I did that from. I got out in March, and I did that till the, July. So Mar- March, April, May, June, July. So I did that for five months or four months. What are you learning about yourself at this point? It was just like, I guess the 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 big thing that I realized was I'm not like I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had seen I had seen a kid that I was in high school with at at, at one of the um, like I was there for about a month, and I saw him, and I was like. That makes me feel better, yeah. you know, especially like a kid. Yeah. So I guess that's like the big thing I learned um, that I got my license and then I got a car, a car that I probably shouldn't have had as much as I loved it, but um, probably wasn't the car for me. And um, I wasn't doing like now I, I'm like heavily in AA, but I wasn't doing anything. I, I, I was like. I was always, a, I, was, I just felt like miserable. And um, I guess like that car was like a, a, like a coping mechanism for me um, in a way. Um, like I guess I drove a lot. Like I, w- I went out of my way to like drive my sister like every morning. And like driving it made me happy. Um, so you got some power there, right? Feeling pretty powerless over drugs and alcohol. I had some power. And um, one day they had, my parents had brought it up about them getting a call that I wasn't in school, and I had sat in in the park, a senior parking lot all day, 
and just drank all day. But they didn't know that at the time. And so my sister needed to be picked up from school. So I said, I'll go pick her up. And there was traffic on 95. So I'm driving in the breakdown lane. And I get pulled over. And I get a pretty heavy ticket. I regret it, but I, went, I picked my sister up. I drove her home. And then I went to the bank to get to take cash out because I was going to go pay this ticket in person so my parents didn't find out. And I got there and I parked in like the, I don't, I don't remember whose spot I parked in, but it was somewhat important. They had like a sign that said like chief something or other, and um, which we laugh about now. But um, I walked inside and I showed him the ticket. It was like $500. And I, I, gave, I was like, I want to pay this in person. And he's like, you got it from a state trooper. You can't, you can't. Um, pay it here you gotta pay it online but he's like you, like you're, you're like he knew I was drunk and so they go alright like we gotta call a parent to come pick you up and I was like no no like I wanna go back to rehab I wanna go back to rehab and um, they're like we can put, we can bring you we can get an ambulance but we can't send you back to rehab and I remember I was laying I was laying in the in the um, in the ambulance and um, this is when my parents found out I was drinking again and my dad was there and he came in and I was crying and he was supposed to go on like a work trip the next day. And I was like, you, like go on the work trip, go on the work trip. And he's like, and I'm bawling and he's, and he just gives me a hug and he goes like, no, like I don't remember exactly what he said, but he's like, Hey, we're going to like, we're here for you. Like, we're going to help you. And we ended up in the ER my mom showed up and so did my uncle. My uncle's in recovery and, um, took me back home. And I think like the next morning we kind of had to talk like, what, what do we want to do moving forward? And that was like no, that was like November, and I, I was able to stay sober for like a couple of weeks, four weeks or so. And then I remember it was a reading day before midterms. It was like December seventeenth or fifteenth, and um, it was like ten o'clock in the morning. And I just I just walked out. I was like, I'm not doing this. And I went to the bank, took out, took out like I didn't take it. I went to the bank twice that day, but the first time I went out, I took like a hundred dollars out. Went to the liquor store the one that I knew it didn't card, bought, bought alcohol, got drunk. I just kind of drove around for a while. Then it was like midday and I was like, I'm just going to drive down to Florida. So I went back to the bank. I took out every last dollar I had. I don't remember how much it was, but it was a couple thousand dollars. I put it in the side, the side thing. I went back to the liquor store, bought more alcohol. So I'm just going to drive down there. I had a friend down there, friend. And um, I crashed in New Jersey. I got arrested, and because of some of the things that I had said to the police officer, they had to put me in a psych ward, the psych ward for the night. So I spent the night in a psych ward. But my mom spent it with me, and we were on the twin, the twin bed, and she was she was one way, and I'm the other way, and we spent the night like that, and it was a terrible night. The 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 hospital like security was terrible. They were they were they were assholes. You know, like me, my mom likes to tell that story about like, she's like in front of me and I'm behind her and like the gown and I'm like, yeah, it's my mom. And like, we're like screaming at the security guards together. And, you know, it was, it was definitely an interesting night, but, um, the next day we drove back and they're like, all right, we definitely got to, we got to send you back to rehab. So Jack, I find, I hear a lot of stories, right? And I hear stories from young people talking about getting arrested and stuff, but like, how are you feeling when that is happening? What is running through your head? Or are you so intoxicated that 
you you don't even you're not even having emotions when this is happening to you. I'm, I don't remember it too well. I remember more about like being at the police station. Yeah. But every time I was like super, um, like aggressive, mm-hmm. and then once I was in the handcuffs, I just like started crying. Yeah. I think about if I were to get arrested, even if the police showed up at my house, that's some trauma there. Yeah, I mean, every time I was arrested, I was pretty heavily intoxicated, so I don't remember too much of, like, the feelings. So after you get out of the hospital there? Yeah, so I'll speed it up a little bit. There, um, we just wanted to make it through the holidays. I, I think that was the reason, or maybe there wasn't a bed or whatever. We just wanted to make it through the holidays before I went back to rehab. We already planned, they already planned on sending me back to rehab, my parents. I'd gotten high, and then I'd said that I was going to go to an NA meeting. I didn't go to an NA meeting, but I went to the liquor store said with um a buddy of mine maybe not a buddy an acquaintance and um so i had alcohol for christmas day but i i wanted to save the alcohol for christmas day so i got high for those seven days but anyways they were talking earlier my parents about like being surprised that i was drunk or my dad didn't know that i was drunk our family was coming at like two he left at 11 i and i we had a breathalyzer so i made sure i didn't drink until he left and that's why he didn't know. And so, and then my mom was cooking and she was busy. So she wasn't like, she, you know, she wasn't like, like on top of me. Yeah. And, um, so that's when I had gotten drunk. It was after my dad had left. And, um, so then I stole, I took my mom's car. Um, you know, she was distracted again. And I went upstairs and I just, I, they, they were hiding their, they were hiding the car keys from me. I don't remember where they were, but I found them, took her car. I was trying to get to Florida again. I made it to Maryland. I think I pulled over just to like take like sleep. Mm-hmm. And like after like five minutes, like there was like eight, eight. In the in the there's an there's a video because for court, but in the video there's like five different state troopers. But I think there was like eight cars, and like some of them were ready for like chase me if I took off again. And so, yeah, that was like that was the last the last straw and. So I ended up going to rehab December 29th, 2021. That's my sober date now. Congratulations. So it's been over a year. Yeah. So let's kind of talk a little bit about, you know, your recovery. What does your recovery look like today? Today, I am I'm very heavily involved in both AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and then at the Yukon Recovery Community at school. Um, I do service work for AA. Um, I'm chairing a meeting. I'm a secretary. Um, I am eligible to sponsor. Uh, I have like a problem raising my hand when they're like, if anyone's eligible to sponsor, raise your hand. I guess it's like an, uh, I'm like, no one's going to want to listen to me. So I have to, I have to kind of get over that and just put my hand up. But I am eligible to sponsor. But then at the URC, um, Yukon Recovery Community, I just got a job there. I worked for the first time yesterday. But, you know, even before that, I was always, like, you know, willing to help and helping senior citizens out in their shots. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm just super involved. And so, what was it like for you transferring to, to Yukon, leaving home your whole junior, senior year, being pretty messy? I mean, it was scary because even when I was home and, and, and sober over the summer, because I came home in May and it didn't come up till uh, the end of August I still was like pretty heavily supervised like every time I got home from work I was breathalyzed and drug tests tested and 
you know, obviously there was not much trust there. And so like I was like, you know, being watched heavily. So it went from like, when I was 18 and I'm being like every, every move I make, I felt like I was being watched, which, you know, rightfully so. And so, but then I get up to UConn and it's like, I went from being watched 24 seven to like nothing. Like I can do whatever I want. Like that was scary. That was really scary. I had never like experienced like adult freedom or anything like even like relatively close to it. Yeah. Or at least for those like eight months. So how how hard was it to make the choices that you made? It was it wasn't necessarily like hard. Like I wasn't like I didn't want to make any bad decisions. I was just scared that I was gonna make a bad decision. But um the first like three weeks were pretty difficult. But I called everyone like back home, like my sponsor and like friends from AA back home and they helped me through it and um, obviously being at the URC helped but once I got comfortable like that's fine yeah so you know it's interesting because a collegiate recovery program is a whole different thing right and you're it's in the this uh, at UConn it's in this 275 year old house and you're meeting new staff members and you're meeting some returning students, but some who are brand new like you. What does that kind of adjustment feel like? I was a lot more comfortable than I thought I was going to be, kind of like walking in, in there. Um, I just, I like knew going in that it was a safe space. And like that was, that's where like I was going to be able to like be myself um, and be able to like talk openly about how I felt. And I talked to you a couple of times prior to going. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I'd met Allison that like over the summer as well. So it wasn't, it wasn't too hard, like getting like kind of, you know, coming into the house. I felt pretty comfortable, like walking into the house. I do remember you came by with your parents and you're like, you kind of kicked your parents out of school pretty quick. Yeah, I was done with them. <laughs> but also, you know, I have also admired a lot that you have their support and you reach out for their support because you've. You know, you've been on the phone with them on different occasions when I've been around. Yeah. So, you know, if you had any encouragement for parents who are going through this as the as the young person, right, as the child, like what what are the things that your parents have done that have been really instrumental in you supporting your recovery? They, instead of like, what I really appreciated that, like, my mom had kind of already known a little bit about, like, um, addiction. like re- addiction and, like, recovery because of my uncle. And my dad had kind of helped out. But what I appreciated that my dad did was he, like, did, like, research. He, like, looked, like, into alcoholism. I remember he was, like, reading articles. And he's even read a little bit of, like, the big book. And, like, they were, like, interested in it. They, like, both of them would, like, ask me. And they wanted to, like, know, like, more, like, about the feelings versus just, like, like, like drinking's bad. Like that's like that's not how like they were. Like they realized like I had like a disease and and like the help that I needed. And I guess just like actually like being interested in like being in there. Um, and like I don't know if I'm saying it right. Just like just being like genuinely like interested in like my recovery has been like super. It's like I feel like I can like talk to them about it, and I do. You know, all the time. You know, one thing um, your parents nor you have brought up is your ADHD. Mm -hmm. And I bring it up because 
almost 100% of the students that I've worked with over the last four and a half years all have ADHD as well as my son who has the child that has the substance use disorder. Do you think that plays a role at all in beginning your use and finding it as a tool? Maybe. I guess I haven't really thought, you know, too much into that. Um, I think it's just like part of ADHD is just having like a super like addictive personality and like fixating on certain things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I guess I really haven't you know, thought too much about that. Yeah, it's just been interesting because that's a, you know, that's probably almost hundred students that I've interacted with, and almost all of them having that, and having a lot of times. Like when do when were you diagnosed? Were you diagnosed when you were younger? Mm-hmm. What? Yes, seven or eight. Yeah. So. So I'm sure somebody's going to do a major study on it at some point. What? do you find the most helpful about a collegiate recovery program? Because we have the majority of campuses in Connecticut do not have one. I think they find, I, I just think it's, re- my biggest fear was like friendship, like finding like friends um, and like being able to like doing things like Friday and Saturday nights. Um, I think that, you know, having like a, a place where, um, like kids with the same like issues can all go. It's it makes it a lot easier to like make friends and like connections and I think that's been like the biggest thing is like having a sober group of friends, um, you know, doing sober things at night, you know, when like there's everyone else is partying at UConn, you know, we're playing Wii, you know, it's like a bunch of like eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds, you know, or playing ping pong or going out to the movies or like whatever it is and I think you know having having like the the, the group of friends is what was the biggest part for it yeah so we talked a little bit about your emotions when you first started your recovery what are the things that you know you're working your way through now I'm almost 14 months sober and I like the farther I get away from like the last drink like the easier it is to forget like the feelings and like emotions because you know life's like really really good right now and like I can, you know, kind of stray away sometimes from, you know, not my meetings, but like praying, and like that's like been a big thing. Like I got to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm praying, because mm-hmm. um, it's easy, it's easy to stray away when things are going well. Um, it's easy, you know, to forget like all the work that I've done and like where I, where I was and like where I am now. And so I think something I'm working on is just like reminding myself that, you know. Like I worked really hard to get where I am and like I can it can all go away like that I think the big book says it best the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous when it says that this disease is cunning Baff- baffling and powerful, powerful. there's yeah. no better phrase to describe it because it can sneak up on you you know even for me 31 years sober um, this job change has brought a lot of extra and I've been eating I don't really eat a lot of carbs, white flour, you know, like I find myself having more of that, right? So yeah. it's sneaking up because I'm going through a change, right? And how quickly could that become an even more harmful mm-hmm. substance? So um, always remembering that it's it's still in us, right? That disease is in remission. And as long as we continue to treat it, we can keep it there. Yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to? 
I'm just looking forward. Like a year ago, I was I wasn't looking forward to like anything, right? Like I would I didn't want to go to I didn't want to come to college. I just wanted to work in a food truck and you know just like be comfortable. I guess what I'm looking forward to is like now I'm I'm looking at like a promising future. And I think I'm just I think I'm just I'm just looking forward to like all the things that are to come. I guess not necessarily one thing, but just you know like keep doing what I'm doing and like seeing what happens. I mean like a year sober and. Like things are things are great. Where am I going to be in another year? You know, yeah. Like who knows? So I think just you know one day at a time and you know, see see where see where I end up. So I think it's funny that you said food truck um, because you are somewhat famous at the Yukon Recovery Community for your pancakes. Yeah. But talk about like what what does making those pancakes for folks bring? It's just like like community. It's like we'll put music on and you know just like everyone feels like you know welcome and yeah. You know, like you can eat a pancake like at any time of the day. So, you know, it's like after like an in-house meeting that we have, like an all-recovery meeting. And yeah. it's like it's like family dinner, you know, yeah. like, you know, like, and we'll like type it in like the group me, like, what do you want? Like for like, you know, like toppings and stuff. So like people like M&Ms and sprinkles, and like all this crazy stuff. And it's just like, it's fun, you know. I'll never forget. It was pretty sure it was the first week and you were in the kitchen making pancakes or waffles with a couple of other folks. And Lexi came running into me and said, they're laughing and talking to each other and cooking together. And I think, you know, one of the things, you know, a lot of people get into these elaborate programs for college campuses and we've got to do all this stuff and have evidence-based practices and studies. And But honestly, sometimes a box of pancake mix and a bottle of syrup can do more for somebody feeling connected and belonging than anything else. I totally agree. So thank you for being the pancake maestro. You're so welcome. I hope that you continue your ministry with pancakes for a long time. They were making pancakes yesterday, so. Wow, there Mm. we go. Now you're getting paid for making pancakes, right? I am. You're right. Not a bad gig. Not a bad gig. Finally, you don't have to be on the food truck either. No. If you were to give a message to a high school senior who's just started their recovery now and they're thinking about whether college is a good fit for them what would you tell them to look for i like just that if they went to like any old college like yeah i mean would you encourage them to go somewhere with collegiate recovery or definitely i I would definitely recommend um collegiate recovery but i think just finding a good group of friends like right off the bat is like is really really important and know they always say like you're a product of who you who you spend time with yeah and so even if you're even if like you're hanging out with people that are drinking but like you're not going to parties or whatever like you're still you know feeding feeding off of them and so um but what i find is like people are like oh i can't find like kids my age in recovery but there's so many kids like your age that just don't drink yeah like they don't necessarily have to be in recovery just like find kids that that aren't drinking and aren't partying on friday nights there's plenty of kids that are you know, going and playing cards on Friday night, you know, or playing chess or like whatever it is. Yeah. You know, I think the the people you surround yourself with is is like very, very, very important. Well, you've been a shining light in my life over the last six months since I met you, and um, I miss seeing you on a daily, almost daily basis. Yeah. But I hope sometime they'll come visit me in Rhode Island. I will definitely. And um. You know, keep putting your face and your voice on recovery because there's many, many more folks out there that need to learn about it and know that 
they can find a place to belong where they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else you want to share before we wrap? I don't think so. No. All right. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Sandy.